Good evening, everybody. Normally, we'll have a big intro into Sunday service, but I'm not going to do an intro tonight. I'm not going to do an intro. I want to get right into it because this is such a common thing. If you guys are watching this, I might be sending this episode to you in the future. I might be literally sending this to you in the DMs because this is a very common question I get every single day. Um, people that come to me that maybe are real estate agents saying, I need to make more money. People that are fix and flippers saying, I need to make more money. People that are wholesalers that are getting tired of being a wholesaler because it's you know, another high paying job. Um, I get a lot of people that DM me and say, how do I get started with sub two and seller finance? How do I get started with creative finance? It's a very common question. And so today in this episode of Sunday Service, I want to answer that. I want to give you guys the first couple of steps in your journey to getting started with creative finance. I don't want to have anything other than tactical stuff. So pull out your notepads. I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. It's very simple. It doesn't mean it's easy. It's very simple though. Okay. This business is just like any other business. Um, if I was going to start a plumbing business, I would need to have the same components that I would need to have a successful real estate business. Same thing with maybe a construction business or a sewing business or a dry cleaning business. Does not matter. Business is business. And there's really only three components. Um, if you dumb it down and you, you, you make it very, very simple, there's only three components. Okay. So um, welcome everybody. Got a few hundred people in here watching live. We'll end up probably getting close to eight or 900. Sunday service is now getting about 150,000 downloads every single month on iTunes and Spotify. So thank you guys so much for the love. We really appreciate it. Um, we adore you guys and the, the audience. Thank you guys so much for coming out. I really, really appreciate it. So let's get into it now. What I'm going to do in about 30 minutes, I'm going to bring on a couple of people. I don't know who they are yet, but I'm going to put a link in the side chat. And that link is going to let you into the back stage. If you have bad internet and you're on your phone and you have bad lighting, please do not click on the link. Okay. This is not a link for you guys to watch the live. Um, you're already here watching the live with me. I want to chat with a couple of people. There's a few people that were in my DMs today saying, hey, Pace, how do I get started? I've been buying a rental a year, but it's taking all my capital and I don't know where to get started. So tonight we're going to answer that. And I'm sure there's a few people in the audience that may want to chat about it. Now, I don't want to answer questions about do on sale clause today. I have seven videos on do on sale clause on my YouTube. I don't want to answer questions about raising private capital or anything not related to this topic because you have to understand that this video it will get housed on YouTube, which is pretty amazing because now I can take that link and I can send it to people in my DMs that ask me the same question. Pace, can you work a deal with me? Pace, how do I get started with creative finance? So I'm going to answer those questions tonight so that I can send those, this video to them repetitively so you guys can get started. Okay, so here we go. There's a link in the side chat right now. It starts with StreamYard.com and then a bunch of numbers and digits and all that kind of stuff. So if you guys have a question specific to the topic at hand, please jump into the backstage. I'd love to chat with you. Okay. I'm going to put the link in one more time so you guys do not miss it. And let's get started. So how do I get started in creative finance? Well, first and foremost, you have to understand that business just in general is very, very basic. You are going to always have um, the same flow. Okay. There's three parts to every business. Okay. Three parts to every business. Number one, most important is you need to have leads, okay? And I'll talk about where those leads come from tonight. 
we'll jump into that. You're also going to have to have a way to convert those leads from a lead into a contract. And in some situations, you can get deals sent to you that already are contracts. Okay. And you kind of have to sift through those and determine whether those are good deals for you or not. Um, and then number three, it is how to exit or monetize on that contract or that deal. Okay. How to monetize. And for a lot of you guys, you have to make that de determination. So I'm going to jump into that here in a second. Again, guys, if you are in my backstage and you, there's a handful of you, if you have a question specific to the topic at hand, I'm happy to talk to you. If you have a question about, you know, hey, Pace, can I get a one-on-one because -on -one my wife is divorcing me because I overspent on the credit cards? That's definitely not tonight's episode, okay? Um, I'm happy to talk about that topic, by the way. That's a really fun topic, but not tonight, okay? So you have to ask yourself, do you have leads, okay? Do you have leads? Write that down. Do you have leads? Most people starting this journey don't have leads. Now, a lead doesn't necessarily mean you have to be out there talking to homeowners, Okay, so let's talk about that. You have to have leads. Where do leads come from? Okay, number one, they come from direct to seller. That's right, everybody. Every lead, every deal, every house, every piece of real estate I've ever bought. Could we ever imagine that there's not a seller involved? There's not a human being involved on that property called a seller or a homeowner. Okay, it's not always a homeowner because sometimes it's an apartment complex, but you know what I'm saying. Seller, right? There's always a seller. So how you get under contract with them and end up buying that property is determined by where your leads come from. So the first is direct to seller. Okay, the second one is direct to agent. Don't worry, guys. I know a lot of people have heard this before. I promise you, I'm just building a runway and we will take off at some point. Just bear with me as we build this runway, okay? So you're going to go direct to agent. Sometimes that seller is represented by an agent, okay? And you can then communicate directly with that agent, okay? This is also called on market. A lot of people call that on market. You see something on the MLS? I would tell you that most newbies believe this is the way that people get deals, okay? Then you can go direct to wholesaler, okay? Now, for people that are watching this maybe for the first time that you don't know what a wholesaler is, there are these people that are wholesalers that utilize direct to seller, which I'll go back and educate you on that for a couple of minutes. They utilize direct to seller to get in touch with homeowners through cold calling, texting, billboards, radio, um, their website, business cards, bandit signs, door knocking, whatever it may be, they are communicating directly with that seller. And what happens is those wholesalers for me, um, I bought six single family homes this month, um, sub two and seller finance. Okay, four of my deals came from a wholesaler that generated a lead by cold calling the sellers and then the seller wanted too much money or didn't have enough equity. And so they called me and they said, Pace, would you take over this opportunity? And I got four deals that way this month. Acquired a little over a million dollars in real estate just from wholesalers that don't know what they're doing. So thank goodness for those wholesalers. 
They are doing all the hard work up front for me. It's amazing. And a lot of time, and I actually closed, um, I'm sorry, I'm going to correct this. I really apologize. I got four deals, um, not direct to seller. So two of them are direct to seller DTS, meaning I, my team cold called and texted, and we got sub two and seller finance deals out of those two of them to be exact. And then the other four that I got, three of them were from wholesalers and one of them was from an agent. Okay. So I worked with an agent on a sub two deal. I actually posted about that deal on my Instagram today. And so I don't have to be the person, right? If I go directly to the wholesaler or I go directly to an agent, I don't have to be the person that generates the leads, spends the money, all that kind of stuff. So Stanley Henderson, for example, says pace. I really need to get, get me a deal like right now. Okay. So in this situation, I would say you don't need to get yourself a deal. You need to go get yourself some relationships with wholesalers and agents. That's the beginning of a deal. Okay. And there's other episodes where we talk to you guys about how to have those conversations and those, um, you know, scripts and all that kind of stuff. But today I'm just going to kind of give you a basic overview. Okay. So I got six sub two and seller finance deals. Three came from wholesalers and one of them came from an agent. Now, I also have a direct to um, referral partner. Okay, so what's a referral partner? That would be a probate attorney. That would be a financial advisor. Basically, anybody in the seller's life, right? Because remember, sellers own houses. We want to get our hands on that house, and we want to get it at a contract price that makes sense for both parties. Well, how do I have this conversation with this homeowner? If I don't have probate attorneys or financial advisors or other people referring these deals to me, okay, I get this all the time. I've shown you guys and actually have brought my probate attorneys on this show before multiple times. Okay. And then another really great, amazing way, okay, to get deals is by working for someone else. Okay, this is the most underrated but the most powerful way to get your hands on a deal is going and working for someone else, somebody else that already has an operation, right? And they're spending money, they're going through the pain, the heartache, and they're generating leads. Maybe they have a team of, you know, 10 people that are cold calling. Okay, that's what I did for a long time is we had a big, massive team of cold callers. And what would happen is we would spend money on labor and data and systems and software. And then those leads, homeowners that were interested in selling their house, those leads would end up going to people on my team here in America. These are USA um, sales guys. And these sales guys would negotiate and they would learn how to have conversations with these homeowners. And that's a really great place to start because you can make money really, really quickly. Now, for me, I learned that my guys that worked for me on my team, they were averaging somewhere between eleven dollars and $20,000 depending on the guy and their effort and um, their time they spent at the office and also their skill set and experience. Um, but most of them would start in their first month, they'd make five to seven K and then they would start, you know, either a settling in and realizing, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with this number, or they would start elevating and getting better at their job. So for people that are like, I hate my job, I want to quit. And you're making less money than what I just told you, you could make working for someone else. This might be a really good strategy for you to go do is go work for someone else to go get your first deal. Okay. Damien actually says number five should be number one. 
I kind of like having number five as number five. And the reason being is because it's kind of an, a funny punchline. Okay. If I gave it as number one, people wouldn't want to listen to the, the rest of them. Okay. The reality is people don't want to hear this. Everybody in America does not want to work for me. At the end of the day, everybody that goes and works for someone else in America, okay, they all end up going and setting up their own shop. Okay. So this is where deals come from. I don't know where any, where any other deal has ever come from. So when people say, well, where do deals come from? I've just told you. You can either communicate directly with a homeowner. Okay. So let's, let's break this down for people that don't understand direct to seller. Okay. Direct to seller typically, I'd say most of the time costs you money. And that's a challenge for a lot of people. Okay. So direct to seller, let's break it down. Direct to seller is very simple. Not, not easy, but very simple. I can do um, billboards. Okay, so uh, that's an inbound, right? So what happens is a, a homeowner sees your billboard and they call you. Okay, so inbound. They're calling you and saying, hey, I saw your billboard. I, for a couple of years, about three years, I worked for a company that that's, what, that's all we did is we spent 60 grand a month on billboards. Okay, I'll show you a couple of mine. You guys have seen them all over the place, actually. So when you think about this, it is interesting that people go, how do I get a deal? Well, you guys see this stuff all the time in your face. Like how many of you guys have not seen this? Homevestors, we buy ugly houses. These guys are everywhere. There's 1,100 franchises all over the country. All right? And you'll see their billboards. They look just like this or like this. They're all over the country. In fact, if I said Homevestors billboard, you are going to see them that boom. You guys have seen this. These are everybody. These guys are trying to fix and flip houses, wholesale houses and buy houses in your, in their portfolio. I was one of these guys. I owned the home investors franchise of Arizona for nearly three years. I was the number one. I was number three closer in the, in the nation. I, I, I loved getting my start here, but it was very, very expensive. So I do not suggest you go down this route. Okay. Billboards. There you go. Okay, you could go and start putting up billboards. Probably not a good way to go. I'm going to put red on there for this. I don't like this idea. It's very expensive. But I just want to let you know that it's possible. Okay. Now, you've got billboards. You've got postcards. Postcards work in typically smaller areas, okay, smaller markets, or um, very niche lists. So, for example, when I say niche list, I mean somebody who's in foreclosure, also get it going through divorce or also going through a bankruptcy. Okay. When they, when you're stacking these pain points and then you spend money on postcards and you send a postcard to somebody who's going through all three of those things, your probability, your probability of success goes up and your cost per marketing campaign goes down. I do not use postcards anymore. I did that for nearly three years. Okay. So you got postcards, you got bandit signs, I don't know anybody that's ever done this um, for a long period of time because it's expensive. It does work. And you guys have seen bandit signs. I know you guys have seen bandit signs, so I'm not going to go down that. I wouldn't necessarily start there unless you're just barely, barely starting out. Um, door knocking. You're, you won't do it. Okay. 
I was with one of my students, Alexis in Orlando. She's got her first three deals from door knocking. She just made 20 grand on one. I think she's making 30 grand on another. Okay. Just barely started, by the way, literally just barely started like a month and a half ago. She's door knocking foreclosures. Okay. So, um, works. I love door knocking, but you won't do it. So I almost don't even want to go through it. Um, I like it. And here's why it's very inexpensive. It's very, very inexpensive. Okay. Then cold calling. This can be either very inexpensive or very expensive, depending on if you go hire somebody. Okay. We hire people. This is my main marketing avenue. This is where you'll see most of the people who are scaled and really large in this business are doing cold calling and then they are also doing texting. Okay, these are the main things that people are doing. They're finding homeowners that are in foreclosure. They're finding, which is easy. Okay, we could have a whole nother conversation about that. And you're calling them and you're working out opportunities with them. Okay, so um, there's that's direct to seller. I could literally go on and on and on. Ringless voicemail. A lot of people don't even know ringless voicemail is a thing. You can call somebody and leave a voicemail without their phone number or their phone ringing. Um, you can. I could go on for hours. I could literally go on for hours about this exact topic. How do you reach out to a homeowner directly? And that's direct to seller. Okay. So you can work direct to seller and um, get deals. This is very common, but also can be pricey. Direct to agent is not pricey. In fact, we did a challenge last month called the elephant challenge. And it was a, a absolutely we had a blast doing it. We're going to do another one. It was completely free, nothing to sell. In fact, we were like on like 10, day nine or so. And there was a lady that came in and she's like, when are you going to sell something? I'm like, I'm trying to do this for free. I'm really trying to help you guys. Like really trying to help you guys. I know that everybody's out there to sell something. It's weird that I'm not selling anything, but I'm not trying to sell you anything. And we're going to be doing another one of those challenges next month. Okay. Uh, Manny Jimenez says, what's a good source for foreclosures? There's a lot of them. Foreclosures Daily is a really good one. Um, another really good one is um, alltheleads.com. But again, they start making, they, they start costing you money. Okay. So you have to make a determination of where your leads are going to come from, because here's what's going to happen. No matter where your leads come from. Okay. Category one, category two, category three, or category five, four. Category five is you're working for someone else, okay? Wherever these leads are coming from, you have the opportunity to either A, wholesale them, pay attention, okay? B, fix and flip, or C, hold them. Those are the only three ways I've ever learned how to make money in real estate. Those are the only three ways I've ever learned how to make money in real estate. And somebody's going to say, well, Pace, what about developing? Well, developing is fixing and flipping. I'm taking a piece of dirt. I'm fixing it or renovating it or improving it, and I'm flipping it to somebody else. Okay. Well, Pace, what about apartment complexes? Well, isn't that holding it in your portfolio? Well, Pace, what about um, double closing? Well, isn't that wholesaling? Literally every way to make money. This is how you make money in real estate is wholesale, fix and flip or buy and hold. Okay. So the way you get started in, in, in creative finance is generate leads. You have to make a determination. Where are your leads coming from now with real estate and leads for me, because I understand creative finance, I can go to wholesalers. This is one of my favorite, like 
I'd say 70% of my deals right now are coming from people who are struggling with their leads. So pay attention to this because this will give you some enlightenment, especially where leads are concerned. So there's wholesalers. They go out there and they cold call. These numbers will give you some insight. It doesn't matter what they're doing, cold calling, texting, whatever. The average wholesaler in the state, uh, not the state, but the country, will generate 50 leads. That means there's 50 people that they've spoken to that have all said the same thing, that they are open to offers, okay? They've cold called these people. These 50 people have said, I'm open to offers. What will happen is this wholesaler right here will speak to these 50 people and typically get one contract, okay? That they'll get one contract. Now, if I'm a wholesaler, I'm going to take that contract and I'm going to try and find a cash buyer, okay? I'm going to find a cash buyer, somebody who's going to fix and flip or buy and hold that property, okay? That's my job. That's where I make my money. I make my money by, let's say, getting the property under contract for 200 and then I wholesale it to my buyer for, let's say, $215,000. That's kind of the national average is fifteen grand, And I, the triumphant wholesaler, has now made $15,000, okay? So if you're trying to fix and flip, go find wholesalers, okay? If you're trying to fix and flip, go talk to agents. You don't even have to negotiate or generate leads, okay? You absolutely don't have to, you don't have to do any of that stuff, okay? You can just go to wholesalers. There's a lot of wholesalers all over the country, okay? So you, I buy a good amount of my deals from wholesalers. They do all the cold calling. They do the texting. They do ne the negotiating, and I'm happy to pay them uh, an assignment fee, happy to pay them an assignment fee. In fact, I just paid somebody $210,000 assignment fee the other day on a deal. $210,000 assignment fee. I have no problem paying for any of that, okay? Um, Claudio says, Pace, for someone starting in real estate who can plug in to six to seven figure wholesale creative company and learn the business without having to generate leads, what is the equity split in your uh, opinion for junior acquisition? Well, Claudio, I would never give, ever give an equity position to somebody who came and worked for me, okay? So let's go to the fifth way to get deals, which is work for someone, okay? I work for someone. I'm actually, I'm going to come back to this, Claudio, because I really like that question, but I'm going to come back to it. Thank you so much. That's a really great one. I'll come right back to it. So um, if I'm a wholesaler, okay, so this person right here is a wholesaler and they're cold calling leads, they're going to generate 50 leads to get one contract. Once they add creative finance to their same 50 leads, so they don't even have to spend more money. This is the common thing that people just don't understand. If you add creative finance to those 50 leads, what my team is doing and what I was what I've done is I will as a wholesaler it's 50 to 1 contract. Okay? For a wholesaler who also uses creative finance, it's 50 equals 1 contract cash and 1 to 3 contracts using creative finance. Okay, so using getting the same amount of lead generation, you can double, triple, or even quadruple your lead flow, or I'm sorry, your contract flow and your profitability, depending on how good you are at creative finance. Now, creative finance means sub two, 
seller finance. Um, it means novation agreements. We do a lot of novation agreements. I just don't talk about it a lot. I typically share that only with my students. Novation agreements, lease options, okay? Lease options, Morby method, a strategy that I created a couple of years ago. You've got uh, dating contracts, okay? You've got, um, we'll call them executory contracts. and several other ways to buy properties. So I look at this and I'm like, wholesalers are using cash. That's their only strategy. I use cash plus I use these, okay? This is the thing that people just don't understand is they think I'm only doing creative finance. Now, I do a lot more creative finance, okay? Um, I do a lot more creative finance because I love it and I'm really good at it. I'm, I'm in my opinion, I'm the best in the, in the nation. Okay. So I love doing it. I'm obsessed with it. And that's perfectly fine. But I do a lot of cash deals as well. Okay. So there's where you get started. I know that's a little bit ambiguous, but at least you have a foundation of understanding. You need to make a determination of where you're going to get leads from, right? Let's go back to the top. This is business. You have to have leads. So make a decision. Where are you going to get your leads from? Are you going to get them direct to seller right here? Are you going to get them direct to agent, direct to wholesaler, referrals, or working for someone else? Those are the only five places that I've ever seen deals come from. That's it. So when people say, how do I get started? Well, make a determination. Where are you going to go? Are you going to go cold call sellers? Are you going to work with direct to agent? Are you going to find wholesalers in your market? Are you going to go to probate attorneys, financial advisors, et cetera, or maybe go work for someone else? I actually have a lot of students that go work for other people. In fact, Claudio, who's a student of mine for a couple of years, a friend of mine, he's awesome. He just asked a really great question. Let's go back to it. Okay, his question was, Pace, if somebody's going to come work for me, what equity split would I give them? Well, bro, I'm giving them a million-dollar education. I'm not giving them any equity split whatsoever, zero, zilch. What I would do if somebody works for me is treat them like a junior acquisition person as if I hired them on my team. Okay, so here's me. I then have a director. Uh, I have basically three directors in my business when you start out. You have somebody who's generating leads. Okay, this could be, um, we use a company called startvirtual.com. Startvirtual.com generates leads for us um, by cold calling and texting. So they bring in the leads. And then I have acquisition, uh, an acquisition manager. Okay, somebody is in charge of those leads. And then what the acquisition manager does is works with typically a team of four to five junior acquisition managers, okay? And those junior acquisition managers, they make on average after their bonuses and all that kind of stuff, they make about an average of 12, oops, my bad. They make an average of about uh, 12% on the deals, okay? And I could break down a whole uh, thing, but Claudio, I already did that inside of sub two and I kind of broke that all down. They get 12% of the deal, okay? And the, they don't get, they get 12% of the gross. Meaning if I go wholesale something for $15,000, okay? They're gonna get 12% of that number, not what my net profit is, okay? So hopefully that helps answer that question. I, we, average them, we average them about 12%. And why is it average? Well, because sometimes... Um, they don't hit their numbers, okay? 
So we have a sliding scale for them. So if they only hit their, if they only hit, um, we ha now have a new sliding scale. So $30,000, they, anything $30,000 or less, they get 8%. Okay. Uh, $70,000, once they hit that, all the way down to 30K, so 30K to 70K, they get 10%. And anything over that, they get, so $70,000 or above, we bump them up to 12%. And that's that's retroactive. So if they hit $70,000, um, everything they earn backwards is 12% for the 30 days. Okay? Um, so there you go. Hopefully that helps you out. Um, so Lords Trostel says, um, Pace, I want to sub to a home from my friends, but I'm worried about the due on sale clause. I've spoken to a few people, including an attorney who says we should proceed in that direction. So um, Lords, nobody teaches the due on sale clause better than me, even attorneys. I have attorneys that call me. I had multiple people call me today about the due on sale clause. Just type in YouTube and say due on sale Pace Morby. And I have multiple breakdowns of it. You don't need to be here for a live for that. And so I don't, I don't want to deviate from that, okay? So when people ask, how do I get started? Let's go back to it again so I can make sure that you understand where you should go, okay? You should make a determination. You have to generate leads. You cannot do this business without leads. Zero possibility. So when you're saying, Pace, I'm struggling to get a deal. Pace, I'm struggling to get a deal. I haven't gotten a deal yet. I have I, this, that, and the other. It's because you don't have leads. That's it. It's as simple as that. You don't have leads. You're not talking to people. You're not looking at deals. You need to make a decision. So that's step one. Make a decision on what lead source you are going to focus on. Wow. I've, man, I've been cranking on this thing, huh? So step one. Um, leads. Where are they coming from? I just broke down the only five places where leads come from. Where are they coming from? There you go. Make a determination. Decide. Okay. Now, the second thing you've got to do is I would tap into the free community. Okay. This is super important because you're going to need help. You're going to need people that walk you through and fill in the gaps because there's going to be so many gaps. And also, what I've also learned is that people don't want to wait for help. Okay, so what I've done is I've trained, we currently have 5,600 students all over the nation and also in 20 different countries. The, the, the students that are in different countries, they are doing this in the United States virtually. So can you do this from anywhere? The answer is an emphatic, yes, you can. So I have 5,600 students in a Facebook group with 56,000 people. So 90% of the people in my Facebook group are in there for free. The other 10% also have access to a private community. They also get to hang out with me um, a lot. In fact, if you guys looked at my calendar right now, if you're, in, if you're not a sub two student, you want to know why our, t our community is so tight, I'll show you. I spend a tremendous amount of time with my students on a weekly basis. Um, so let's go through that. I'll, I'll break it down for you guys. Um, oh, yeah. This is great. 
So why, why am I sharing this with you? I don't want you to join my mentorship. Please don't join my mentorship. I'm just trying to get you to understand where you can actually get some help outside of just watching my lives. No, I will not do a one-on-one -on -one with you. No, I will not get on a, a, any call with you. No, I will not meet up with you and have coffee. No, absolutely not. That is, a, that is an emphatic, absolutely hell no. Okay. So um, if you look here, you will see my calendar. These are just the green Zooms that I will do with my students this week. Okay. These are the ones that I will actually show up to. All right. So um, let's see. On, let's see, our team, Caroline, she does a Zoom from five to nine every morning. We call that the daily dial. So Caroline's in there doing that every day, um, Monday through Friday. And inside the daily dial, you'll see a lot of my students um, in the side chat that will say that the daily dial has changed their entire life. Just this every morning. Okay. The daily dial is role playing. It's actually having conversations with students and practicing with each other early in the morning before your day starts exactly what you should say in order to overcome objections that you might get from an agent, um, a broker, a lender, a, a title company, et cetera. It's basically, the, not basically there. It is there for you to learn how to underwrite deals. Underwrite means look at, evaluate, see if they're good deals or not, and practice having conversations with each other. Okay, then in the evening, we have another Zoom that happens every single night. And that starts at four o'clock every single night, goes all the way until seven. So it's another three hours. And that is called the nightly dial. And in the nightly dial, we actually call live sellers, okay? We get our students on the phone with live sellers and agents, okay? This happens five days a week, every single evening, okay? Daily dial. So why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because if you guys say, well, Pace, who should I work with? Don't you think you should be working with somebody that has this much access to absolute monsters and killers in this industry. That is what we do. I'm, I actually named that one. All right, guys, I haven't made my calendar for the week, so I'm haphazardly doing it right now. So thank you for being patient while I do this. So um, the nightly dial is ran by Dan Quijano, an absolute legend. And then what I do is every, let's see here. Every uh, Saturday morning at 5 a.m. This one, I'm doing another one with my wife a little bit later. So our Saturday mornings, even I'll be here Saturday morning. I'll be here Saturday morning. I'll be there for a, a five-hour Q&A. I'll be there with Elena Cardone wants to meet our sub two students. So that's going to be cool on uh, Tuesday evening. I've got Monday comping with my wife inside of sub two. Um, and then myself, I meet all the new students on Monday evenings inside of sub two. So look at a weekly... Um, these are live Zooms, by the way, inside of our community, everybody getting to know each other, working deals together, helping each other out, becoming friends with each other, et cetera. So when I tell you guys, go to my Facebook group, Creative Finance with Pace Morby, this is why I'm telling you to do it, is because those students who have access to this much training live every single week, local meetups, accountability groups, Discord, Facebook, when I say my students know each other, I mean it. And this is why I tell people, go join my Creative Finance Facebook group because we have 56,000 members and about 10% of them are my students all over the country. So 
when somebody says, well, Pace, I've got a deal in Memphis, Tennessee, and I need help with it, and they DM me, my answer to them is go to my free Facebook group. It's there for a reason. Go to my free Facebook group and work with my students. They'll work with you. They'll give you some homework. They'll do deals with you. They'll take you out on door knocking. I see my students doing stuff like this all over the country and helping people in the free Facebook group. In fact, our free Facebook group is doing a monthly challenge. It's called the Invite Only Challenge, where we show you guys for free. And I don't want you joining my mentorship. I do not want you joining my mentorship. Work with my students in the challenge. You're going to submit offers. You're going to talk to agents. You're going to learn how to comp. You're going to learn why that's a good deal, why that's a bad deal. We're going to give real addresses. We just did it. We literally just did it. If you guys um, are newer or you guys um, maybe didn't know this, you're maybe sleeping under a rock. Let's go to YouTube. Now I'll show you. We stream this live for free. Okay. I want to make sure you guys have a jumping off point when you get off this training or off this podcast. Okay. So let's go to, by the way, I love Jerry Norton. He's gay. He's great. Um, let's see. Let's go elephant challenge. Let's see if we got it on there. Ooh, elephant challenge pace Morby. So there you go. Streamed one month ago. You can see 8,600 views on this free training. And we had all these people on here. 10% of them are my students. And we walked through and we showed you guys how to comp deals for two hours and 15 minutes. And we had breakdowns and explanations and people were talking in the side chat and becoming friends with each other. This is where you start. Okay, this is where you start. You get plugged into people that have momentum and active training. My students have access to me for the rest of their lives or as long as I'm alive. And I will continually to do 21 support calls every single week and overwhelm them until they decide I can only handle two Zooms a week. Pace is crazy. That's perfectly fine. It's my job to over-deliver. So now, as you're generating leads, here, here we go. If you just want to get a sell, uh, let's do this. If you just want to get a seller finance deal, go to an agent. There's deals on the MLS right now, seller finance. There's deals on the MLS subject to right now. If you want to if you go, go to landwatch.com, this is really simple. You guys just don't know about this. Oh, man, I'm doing a lot of screen sharing today, aren't I? Holy moly. Hopefully you guys don't mind. It's a little, I'm, I'm like all over the place. It's great. Um, so you guys could go to Landwatch, which is where I'm um, looking at buying some land. You guys could, you, people don't know this. Where do I get started with creative finance? Generate leads. That's how you get started. Second thing you do is go join my free Facebook group and get friends that you can do this alongside. That's literally step number two. My students will help you out. So let's go here. Um, search by, okay, boom. Owner financing. I click on owner financing on landwatch.com. There's so many websites that are like this. There's a, look at this. Owner financing land for sale, 11,272 listings. When you guys don't know that this is a common thing, this is hurting you. 11,272 listings all over the country right now are being sold on owner finance. Okay, this is the same thing. If I go on LoopNet, okay, LoopNet has the same filter. I can actually go on here and find deals for sale 
commercial, multifamily, et cetera, on creative finance. Okay. Now, why do you need help? Why do you need somebody to help you out? Because you're going to run into a situation a thousand times. I have students that have been making a million dollars a year, still voice memoing me and asking me questions. You will never stop running into situations where you need somebody's help and you need somebody's collaboration. And that is why you need to join the free Facebook group is get tied in with other people who are leaders and doing deals. Okay. Now, if you're somebody that just wants to buy one deal for yourself, well, you can go through an agent. You can go through a wholesaler. You can go through one of my students and you're going to get, boom, a sub two deal or a seller finance deal land right in your lap. Okay. So that is how you get started in creative finance. Because here's the, I'm going to say this again. I don't go after creative finance leads. Listen to me when I say this. I do not go after creative finance leads. I go after sellers who are motivated. The number one thing that I need in my life is a motivated seller. That is what I would call a lead, a motivated seller. So whether it's foreclosure, whether it's divorce, whether it's bankruptcy, whether it's, um, let's say, high equity, low equity, um, maybe it's a rundown house, whatever the pain point is, I'm calling, texting these people that are all in these categories, code violations, okay? Guys, this, is, this business is so simple. Watch this, code violations, that's another list. Watch this. Man, I'm doing all the screen shares tonight, huh? Holy moly, it's because it's y'all don't even know some of this stuff exists. So watch, watch me as I use this magical thing called Google. I don't know if you guys ever ran into this thing, but man, it's like just invented a couple of days ago. You wouldn't even freaking believe what's, what, what's available. So we're going to go to um, Tempe City Code Violations, okay? Code Compliance, City of Tempe. Tempe is a city that's like right by me. Okay, code can viol code compliance map. Okay, cool. Let's take a look at this. Guys, how many times this is the city of Tempe? This is why there's a very hard border around it. Um, look at all these people that have code violations, overgrown yards, broken windows, abandoned properties, ab ab abandoned cars. This person has um, let's see, what's their problem? All sidewalks, walls, building fences, signs, and others shall be kept free from graffiti. So somebody's house has graffiti on it. Guys, this, this is public data. I don't even have to pay any money for this. The address is right here. I can go knock on this person's door or drive by it. Go drive the neighborhood. People go, go drive for deals. How about you just go get a map of all the code violations in your city? They're all over the place. This business is too simple. It is too simple. These people are in, in, in violations. Okay, if you could go to, every city's a little bit different, okay? So somebody's going to ask, what website is that? What website is that? Guys, it's the code, the Tempe code violation map. It's their own proprietary. Proprietary is a word that you should definitely know, by the way. Somebody in here does not know what the word proprietary means. Um, so let's go to, proprietary means it, they own it themselves, they developed it themselves, okay? So let's go to, um, Let's go to Mesa City. That's where I live. Mesa City code violations. Okay. Boom. See, it's a different website. 
Every city is a little bit different. Um, ooh, download code compliance data. This is, guys, it shouldn't be this easy. Holy smokes. Incidents of graffiti. I don't care about that. Um, that's, that's somebody else mess, messing up your property. I want to know the properties. Let's see, code violations. I want to know the properties that are not taking care of their, their stuff. Okay, view data. Let's view the data. Um, all right. Oh my gosh. Look at this number down here, guys. This is all the violations. I'm going to, I'll, I'll filter it, but look at this 421,000 violations in their deal. So let's filter it. Um, let's see, sort and roll up conditional formatting, discuss export. No, I don't want to do that. Street name, parcel number, ordin ordinance and violation. Let's see, case number. There's a really easy way to filter this. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, here we go. I've been here now. Okay, so you can create a free account. This is the thing that they change. You can create a free account in here. So code violations are really, really great. Look at this. Boom, baby. Uh, 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 uh. There you go. 421,914 houses have code violations in the city of, of Mesa right now. So what you do is you can go in here and filter them. Okay. There's all these filterings and timeline charts. This one's really good. So you can come in here and um, drop the filters. Let's see. Add a filter. You can have case numbers, region, parcel numbers, year the violation closed, the month the violation closed, voluntary compliance. You went it open so you can pull up like the freshies all the fresh stuff and people are asking me where do where do deals come from they're like in your face they're in your face you don't even have to try like those people are in situations okay every deal we buy the sellers in some situation that you can help them all right um so there you go there's where you get started you determine where your leads are going to come from you join our free facebook group you find my students in your local area and you say, can I be your friend? Those are the three steps. Now, what you have to do is you would then have to go generate leads. So that's step four. Step four is generating leads. Remember, you, you made a determination which lead flow you're going to do, direct to seller, direct to agent, direct to wholesaler, direct to referral partner, or go work for someone. Freak, you could go work for my sub two students. Okay. You've already done those. You've already made that decision of which lead flow you're going to go. So Make the decision on lead flow. Go join the free Facebook group. The Facebook group, we already did the screen share. It's called Creative Finance with Pace Morby. 56,000 members in there. Go join it. It's free. I don't ever sell you anything in there. Literally. At least that I'm aware of. Unless my, my team is trying to sell you on some like $19 driving for deals course or something like that. So I'm desperately trying to give you guys free stuff. And I still get people DM me saying, Pace, can I get a one-on-one -on -one with you? No, absolutely not. I would love to meet with you, but I believe the one-on-one -on -one method is completely horrible. Your question will be solved on YouTube if you need a one-on-one. -on -one. You got a mindset issue or a lead generation issue. Those are the only things anybody ever wants to do a one-on-one -on -one with me for. Now, do I meet my students all the time? All the time. I was just in Orlando, at, to, stayed up till one o'clock in the morning, hanging out with 50 of my students. 
Um, I'm going to see probably a good five or 600 of my students in, um, or no Hollywood, Florida. I'm going to be at BP, BP con. Like I would love to meet you. I just don't want to do a one-on-one -on -one with you. Cause I already spent a million dollars into my YouTube over the last two and a half years, editing camera equipment, payroll. Like you guys wouldn't believe the payroll I've spent on free stuff for you guys. Take advantage of it, please. Go link in with my students. Go spend time with my students. They're amazing. And if one of them doesn't respond to you, don't be a little bitch. Stop being a little bitch. Pay somebody didn't reply to me. Well, great. Go back to being a greeter at Walmart. I don't know what to tell you. Like, if that's literally how you live your life, that you, you run into one thing that's a problem, go to another student. I have students like Scott Oots, uh, Brandon Simmons, um, Matthew Simmons. People are making $600,000, $800,000 a month. They're not going to reply to you. They have no time to reply to you. They're either working on making more money or they're spending time with their family. You need to find a student that's doing two to three deals a month that's raising it, you know, rising in the ranks that wants you to come with them. They want to help you. They want to put you into their company and let you work with them or generate leads. You got to find those students, okay? A lot of my students don't want to work with you because they've already scaled their business and they've found their financial freedom and they're not going to stop at everything to help you because they already did that. I can tell you the students that have scaled their business have already helped hundreds of people in the process of them getting to a point where they have financial freedom, okay? So... Um, this is a, this one's interesting. Um, Marco, thank you, Marco for the $20. I'm going to take my wife out on a date. Thank you so much. Um, so he says, bro, put me on your wait list for multifamily partnerships you're doing with your private students. Uh, thank you so much. My private students, um, the wait list is investwithpace.com. Investwithpace.com is how you guys get on the wait list. Um, we are only letting sub two students in, in, invest, by the way. So thank you for pointing that out. Hold on a second. I got to charge my keyboard. All right. So I have um, answered the question, how do I get started with creative finance? I'm going to hit one more thing and then I'm going to get into a little bit of some Q&A. Please, if you have a question outside of this topic, I will say, hey, I love you, but bye-bye. I will get rid of you off the screen. I need to stay on topic. So please, if you have a question unrelated to what I'm talking about, do both of you and I a favor, unless you want me to tease you because you know I'm infamous at teasing. I will tease you. Okay. Um, unless you want to be teased, you don't want to be on the, on the screen. And also if you don't have your camera turned on, so I've got Ashley Perez, Daniel, uh, Blattman, Daniel, uh, uh, Colonel and, um, Jay and there's Jasper. He always got his camera on, turn your camera on or else I'm not going to call on you. There you go. Thank you so much. Cause what happens a lot of times I'll call people on here and they're like fiddling with their camera for like three minutes. And the audience is just like, Oh my gosh, Pace, please move on. So last thing I'm going to cover, where do creative finance leads 
People think I go out and I only go, all right, I'm going to go look for sub two and seller finance deals. No, not at all. I look for deals. The difference is if there's a funnel and leads come through this funnel, you guys as cash buyers, people that are doing cash deals, you have one filter right here. You have a cash filter. Okay. And you're catching some things as they're coming through here. My filter is a fine. I have a finer filter, a, fi a more fine filter, and even more fine filter. Sub two, seller finance, novation agreements, right? So all the leads, all the stuff that's coming through have a really hard time getting through all my filters. And I make more money than you because I'm using more filters than you. This is the only filter you're using. Has anybody ever strained spaghetti or food or things of that nature? Your guys' strainer has too many big holes in it. My little filters, my information, my experience of working sub two and seller finance deals doesn't mean that I'm generating different leads than you. It just means I know how to actually use the leads properly. Okay, so this is why I love working with wholesalers because a wholesaler will stupidly, sorry, wholesalers, that your, your feelings are hurt. But you'll go generate all these leads right here. And you'll go, man, I'm only getting cash deals and I'm not getting enough deals. And I'll come along and I'll go, hey, you know all this like mud that basically got through your little filter? It's basically trash. You know, it falls through your cash filter and it ends up being a big pile of steaming horse crap down here. Can I have that? And they go, sure. Why would you want it? And I go, because I'm going to make millions of dollars off of it. Except I wouldn't say that. I just go, well, you know, I just really like shit. Can you just give me your poop? Give me all your poop. Give me all your bad leads. And I, this is where I make my money. I just have a better filtering mechanism than you cash buyers and you real estate agents. And you're wondering why does Pace, this year my goal was to buy 500 doors. At the end of the year, I will be at 900 doors. I will almost double my goal of doors purchased, meaning putting doors in my portfolio. Forget about the deals I, I flipped. Forget about the deals I wholesaled. I just acquired this many deals in one year. 40% of my deals come from your guys's crap. Here, I'm going to find a, a brown pen. Here you go. There's a brown pen. Just so you guys know, you guys think this is crap. I think it's cash and it is. In fact, if you guys go to my Instagram stories from today, there's a property. Uh, what house did I go to today? It's on the house on Spruce. The people who sent that deal to me are like, I don't see any way to make money on this and I will make 90 grand. 1832 West Spruce Drive in Chandler, Arizona. Write that down. Dead wholesaler lead. Nobody knew what to do with it. And I turned it into a $90,000 profit that will pay me $1,450 every single month for the next however long I want to own it. Okay. So have we sufficiently answered? Have we sufficiently answered where do I start? What do I do to get started? Where do the leads come from? Now, obviously, there's way more um, in-depth. How do I generate rate a lead? How do I cold call? How do I text? All that kind of stuff. But this really should be the first video that you watch because you realize I need to generate leads, whatever that means. I need to um, have somebody help me. So I should definitely join Pace's Facebook group and find their, his students. And if, even if one of his students turns out to be a, a knucklehead, because I get 1% of my students are going to be knuckleheads. 
or they might just not fit your vibe, right? I got redneck students. I got students up in Alaska killing mooses are on the weekends. I got students that are um, bankers in Wall Street. I got students all over the country, all shapes, sizes, races, genders, everything you can imagine. You're not going to like all of them. So find one you like. They have direct access to me three to six times a week. They have access to each other 15 times more per week in the daily dial and the nightly dial. And go out and generate leads and work with them and go find them and, and, and go to meetups and do those types of things. That's how you get started. And then as you learn creative finance, you can then start adding filters like, okay, now I understand sub two. Now I understand seller finance. Now I understand novation agreements. Now I understand lease options. Now I understand this. And as those leads are coming through your filter, you're going to capture a lot more money. You're not going to let all that kind of stuff go out. Okay. So um, Lord says, Ingrid Hernandez, are you a sub two student? Ingrid is not just a sub two student. She's a leader and her and I are actually partnered on a deal together right now. She started last summer with me and I would say that she probably is going to make half a million dollars in the last trailing 12 months, something like that as a student on top of her nine to five job. Okay. Think you guys want to work with my students or you guys want to keep being knuckleheads and DMing me and saying, Pace, I really need a one-on-one. -on -one. I will never do a one-on-one -on -one with you. Okay. I don't know that I will do a one-on-one -on -one with my best friends. My best friends will go, Hey, you have a minute to talk. And I'll say, text me. No, I don't have time for a one-on-one. -on -one, okay. People think, cause I'm on, I'm live all the time that I'm like just readily available. I'm not, I structure these. I want to provide so much help, but I want to help the masses, not, you know, one person at a time. That's hard. So, um, we got a couple of people on here. Dylan, Faltus has a question. What's up, Dylan? How you doing, man? You're, you're muted. There we, there we go. Can you hear there me? There we are. I can hear you. Hey, good to see you, brother. How you doing? What's up, homie? Man, doing well, doing well. I uh, So I have a question for you. It is about a, uh, I have a motivated seller who needs a creative uh, finance solution to a property yeah. that she wants to sell. Hopefully, I'll be able to talk about that with you real quick. Cool. Let's do it. Okay. It's a property here in my market in Tampa, uh, seven minutes from University of South Florida, five minutes. Have you talked to Andres Bastardo? I'm not about this particular property. He is saved in my phone, though, and I meet up with okay. him regularly. Yeah. Cool. I actually just, uh, me and my girlfriend just had dinner with uh, Spencer Bishop and his fiance. Love Spencer. I, yeah, I know he's, I tell you, all my friends, my sub two friends, my conversations with my sub two friends are so wildly different than conversations with other people I've had in my life. You know, wonderful people, but I realized that we end up talking a lot about things in the past, reliving glory days. In my conversations with my sub two friends, we're all talking about things that we're building in the future wildly different it's it's, it's really fun cool. too because you don't feel embarrassed to like talk about money or your hopes your dreams your aspirations how you're trying to improve yeah. yourself your friends from the past they're the things that are keeping everybody back and what's cool is like the second you join sub two you create a new circle of people that drive you forward and keep you motivated and accountable and mm -hmm. like they also keep you driven because you see a guy like spencer bishop that dude's Who's driven. crushing it yeah crushing it
it's funny, we're meeting next weekend to compare our vision boards for him mm -hmm. and his fiance and me and my girlfriend. Uh, they had the idea last night over dinner. And so we're meeting up next weekend to do that and kind of hold each other accountable for those goals that we're going to set for our one year goal, you know, moving forward. Really, Amazing. really cool. Amazing. Yeah. I have, I have a friend that I grew up with that if I ever had a thought like, Hey, at, at 30 something years old, Hey, let's get together and talk about vision boards. My friend would be like, what do you think you're better than me? Yeah. Yeah, man. I've, we've got, I've got friends where I'm like, I literally suppress the thoughts and the things that I want to talk about because they're just not doing things in their life. Wonderful people. But I know that they're like harboring resentment if I'm talking about, hey, yeah. you know, things I want to build, money I want to make, businesses I want to do. And it's just a, it's on a different wavelength. And so it's just really, really interesting noticing the difference between talking and, and you know, gathering friends in the sub two community. It's really cool. So what do you got for me tonight? What's the lead? Uh, House in Tampa is motivated seller. It is a woman who wants who's going through divorce. She has a so uh, guys pay attention to this. Every deal starts with what? It starts with a seller every single time and generating a lead to get in touch with that seller. That's the beginning of every single story. Anytime you or somebody's talking about a deal. Um, okay, so ch check this out. I was, I'm doing research on somebody I'm going to speak on their stage in a couple of months. And I, um, you know, trying to get into his world and understand what he's all about and what his audience wants to learn, all that kind of stuff. So I'm running... I ran four miles this morning and I listened to three podcasts about his origin story and where he came up. And he told the same story multiple times, which I'm okay with. I, I like that. I like hearing, you know, different aspects or different ways he's telling his story. Never once in three different podcasts did he say where his first couple of deals came from. He just said, mm -hmm. oh, well, yeah, I put um, $200,000 down on this $1 million deal. It's, it's a multifamily deal and blah, 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 blah. And they go through it and I'm like, Aren't you going to say where the deal came from? Like what lead source? Did it come from an agent broker? Did it come from a wholesaler? Did you call the seller directly? Like give me the foundation of the story. Yep. So you're, I love, I love this. So how did you reach out to the seller? Did you cold call? Did you text? Did you door knock? Did you get the lead from a wholesaler? where did this come from? Wonderful question. Looking at my podio, this was an SMS campaign. SMS means he's, he texted somebody, guys. He actually used his thumbs, you know, things that God gave you to do some work. He actually used his thumbs and texted somebody and say, hey, are you open to an offer for me buying your home? That's SMS. For those of yep. you guys that have Androids that still have to crank up your phone and in order to text people. iPhone game. There you go. Uh, yes. And so this one was actually, I mean, it was through an automated system. So it wasn't me texting this way. I can send many more text messages. And it was through a VA who can send even more text messages than I can send and it frees me up to do all the uh, acquisition stuff. So it was through an SMS campaign, a list that was pulled on PropStream for divorce properties. And so in, in Tampa, in my market, uh, the, it's a follow-up that I've been doing for four months. Woman called me out of the blue, saved my number, uh, Friday. She is going through a divorce. She recently has fired her divorce attorney, very upset with that person. She wants to sell and she wants to sell yesterday. The issue that she has is the property is in her name only, not in her future ex-husband's, her name only, but she purchased the property after she married her husband. Now that they're going through a divorce, she wants to sell the property, but she does not want her husband to receive. She's worried that he's going to receive half the, the, the proceeds from selling it. 
Okay, so, so she, guys, remember the filter that I was talking about. Okay, when, if you guys, if I DM you this podcast, hopefully this helps you. Okay, he generated a lead. Let's go back to the this little deal. He generated a lead, and he's he's taking this lead through a filtering mechanism. And I'm already listening to this lead. I'm listening to the story, and I already know what the problem is. Okay, the problem is. I almost don't want to jump ahead, but I'll, I'm going to take a guess at what the solution is. And maybe you'll have some subsequent data that I don't have that will change my answer. But everything comes down to in a divorce situation, it comes down to the divorce decree. So the judge will actually issue a divorce decree. Okay. That divorce decree says what they have to do with their assets. Now, if the property is, is the deed in both of their names, or is the mortgage in in just her name and the deed is in just her name? The deed and the mortgage are in her name alone. Okay, so there's a strong possibility that that judge does not allow that property to be um, known as common property or a, com um, a community property. What is she currently using that property for? A rental. Okay, great. So there's a possibility that the judge says, well, that's not going to be named in the divorce decree because that's your property. You have deed, you have the, the debt, and that renter is in there. So we're not going to force you to sell that property because now you're going to disrupt that tenant. So what will happen a lot of times is the divorce decree through the, the divorce, it won't name that property. And if it names that property, then boom, she can sell it to you however. Now, um, there's no way to get around that. There's just no way to get around that. I've bought properties from people that were divorced through contract for deed. Okay, so um, you might be a little bit newer and you might not know the difference. So, Dylan, this is a great question. So here's this is like the fifth filter as you're going down the filter. So it's like, okay, sub two is going to be problematic. And the reason why sub two is going to be problematic is because the deed will transfer from her to Dylan. And that's going to be noticed by the judge and also by her future ex-husband, okay? Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? Seller finance will also have a deed transfer. But in the state of Florida, in Tampa, we call this an executory contract, okay? So, Dylan, do you have a car loan? I do. Okay. That is an executory contract. And here's what that means. It means that you, do you, have, you have a car loan. Who owns the car? I own the car. Okay, you own the car. Great. I can paint it. I can change the color. I can wrap it. I can do whatever I want. You can fart in it. You can sell it. I was listening to your Zoom uh, uh, Saturday. Ago. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, so you yeah. can do whatever you want with that car. The thing is, the lender for your car is currently holding the title. It doesn't mean that their name is on the title. It means they're holding the title as security. Okay, that's called an executory contract. Why is that an executory contract? Because you have not executed um, the full contract. And the contract says, we'll give you the title that we're currently holding for safety once you pay it off, sell it, refinance it, or whatever. We'll then give you the title. That's an executory contract. In sub two and seller finance, I get the title or the deed immediately. And why is that problematic is because now the judge or the future ex-husband will see that. Okay, so here's a great example. An executory contract is actually not called an executory contract. Pay attention to this. This is very critical for you because you'll never, ever call this an executory contract in any sort of real estate language. Um, executory contract is, this is some deep level, deep state stuff. Okay. I love it. I love it. 
Okay, so an executory contract, also known as an agreement for sale in Arizona. Um, land contract. Okay, it depends on the state you're in. Land contract, contract for deed. Installment sale. Bond for deed. Okay, now, Dylan, these are all literally the exact same thing. It's just depending on the state that you live in. Hmm. Okay? Okay, just the state that you live in. So, um, your state is a contract for deed state. Okay, so you will actually purchase this on a contract for deed. So, April Giuliano, one of um, our amazing students, she is actually one of my first partners on a title company that we are own, opening in Orlando. Mm -hmm. Okay. I've spoken it, with April. She's super kind. She's amazing. She started um, sub two homeless. No kidding. No kidding. She lived in a wow. garage when she started our mentorship. She borrowed her mentorship money from a church goer she was going to church with. No way. <laughs> yep. I, I reached out to her a year ago when I first started working full time in this business. I reached out to her. I didn't have anything, not not information, any value to even add. And she took time out of her day to help and call me multiple times to help me, you know, walk through properties and analyze deals and went out of her way for a complete stranger. This is the culture that we have in sub two, right? As you as you know, and you you've already reiterated it's it comes from the the obviously from the leadership. Um, but it's also comes from the, the, the desire that I have is that I need and want a community like this. Um, one, it's fun to have Two, it's super valuable, but April calls me up probably about a year and a half ago. And she's like, Pace, I've got a problem. I've got an HOA that wants to buy this house. So she does the same thing, similar thing. She t sends a text message to somebody who's in foreclosure. She then talks to that person in foreclosure. They're behind on not only their monthly payments to the bank, they're behind on the payments to the HOA. So the HOA is aware that this house is going to go to auction. So April goes, Pace, I don't want this, this HOA. Every time I go over there, the HOA is on up my butt. There's only 15 houses in the whole neighborhood. Like everybody in the neighborhood knows this house has a ton of equity in it. I was like, all right, cool. Like makes sense. Um, makes sense. I, 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 um, I get it. You don't want to, you know, disrupt the HOA, all that kind of stuff. I go buy it on a contract for deed. She's like, wait, what? Buy it on a contract for deed? I go, yeah. You purchase it on a contract for deed, which means you are the owner of the property, but the deed will stay in the seller's name. This is also how you overcome the um, due on sale clause. Okay. So anybody's like, I'm really worried about the due on sale clause. And you can see a little tear coming down their face and then another tear coming down their face. Uh, uh, an executory contract is a way to overcome the due on sale clause. It's one of multiple ways to overcome the, the due on sale clause. Okay. Um, so she goes, okay, so the HOA won't know that I'm buying. I go, no, they won't know that, that you're buying it. She goes, okay, well, it's going to go to foreclosure. Don't, don't I have to catch up the payments before I go and do the, the flip? I go, no, I'll show you how to postpone the foreclosure. So I showed April Giuliano how to postpone the foreclosure for four months. She buys the property on a contract for deed, gives the seller like $5,000 to walk away. April Giuliano go, goes and fix and flips the house. 
the HO people from the HOA that keep bothering her, threatening to call, call the police. She's like, I'm the owner of the property. And she showed the contract for deed. And they're like, what are you talking about? It still shows blah, blah, blah. And she's like, get off my back. Anyway, um, she went and made like $480,000 on that fix and flip because she wasn't, she did not let the HOA buy the property and take it over from her. She postponed everything and she used a contract for deed to get all the way done with the renovation before she listed it. Wow. Like Holy nobody knew gross. she was, nobody knew she was the owner yet. She controlled the asset. So that's the power of creative finance is that a lot of people think I only teach sub two and seller finance. I teach everything creative finance. I, oh, I'm yeah. the, the master of creative finance. There's nobody even remotely close to me. The sub two vault is deep, my friend. <laughs> Bro, it's I barely have started on building that thing. I uh, know I'm I'm pumped for it, man. I'm pumped for it. So, but okay. So then, on a contract for deed, contract for saying... deed is you can buy it, control it, and sometimes a divorce could take two or three years. Okay, so think mm -hmm. about this: if a divorce takes a really long time, a contract for deed is a good way to go if you're going to hold the property in your portfolio. Okay, mm -hmm. but if you're trying to assign it to somebody else, you're going to have kind of tarnished, tainted goods where you're like, hey, buyer, I want to assign this deal to you, but I don't know how long she's going to be going through this divorce, but I want you to pay me $20,000 assignment fee up front. And at some point, the, the judge is going to decree something in the divorce decree that she needs to sell the property. And now you're in a, a pile of crap. So mm -hmm. in this situation, you're going to have to hold this deal in your portfolio in order to uh, make this exit strategy work. See, this is where we have this filtering mechanism where a lead comes through, you understand the situation, and then you make a determination. Anybody else that looks at cash is like, this isn't a deal. I can't do this deal because blah, 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 blah. And they throw this deal away. Mm -hmm. This is why creative finance dominates everything because I can take this lead and I could put that in my portfolio. She would probably be super amenable. And you could even buy it on a really sweet situation for her. Like, I would love to talk to this lady because I could structure a deal where it's like, look, I'll buy it, but I have risk. My risk is that you could get divorced tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then the divorce decree comes in from the judge and the judge says, you have to sell the house. And now I'm in a crappy situation. So why don't we just do a deal where I take over the property immediately I give you like $5,000 in cash. I buy it on a contract for deed. And um, when you are forced to sell it, oh, this is great. This is great. Well, real quick, let me just throw out there. I want to add some some context. What she, Ed. how the conversation went with me, she, we were talking for a little bit and then she goes, hey, can I FaceTime you? And I said, okay. And she FaceTimes me. This is Friday at five o'clock, 5.10. Yeah. And she says, Dylan, this is what I want to do. Now that I see your face and I trust you, uh, she says, I want you to buy the property for $5,000 more than the mortgage balance. And I want you to give me the rest directly to me outside of the transaction of the property so that yeah, my husband. Fine. Yeah. Okay, okay. So this so is technically, this is technically illegal unless you said it. This is great. I love this story. Okay. So what she proposed is technically illegal. Okay. It's yeah, yeah. Is it is uh, it illegal for me to do that? No, no, no. So the best okay. deal I ever did, a uh, best cash deal I ever did in my life, was a lady. Oh, this is great. Pay attention to this because this is a great solution for you. Okay. So I have this lady. Her name is Lori. I can't say her last name because she this lady. She was like the only person that ever left a bad review about me because she found out how much money I made on her deal. Oh, so really? 
<laughs> it's a foreclosure. This lady is a foreclosure. Her name's Lori. Oh, dude, this is such a great story. I should tell this only like on a private Zoom with sub two because it could take an hour, but I'm going to just, I'll, I'll be really, very quick with it. So we get in contact with her. She says, no, she says, no, she says, no, she says, no. Three, four months. My wife, this is back in the day, five, six years ago when my wife was actually helping me with lead generation and all that kind of stuff. Just like a lot of people, when you start out, it's like your wife helps out, your girlfriend helps out, your, if you're gay, your boyfriend or your girlfriend helps you out, whatever, it doesn't matter. Your significant other. I'll just freaking call it your significant <laughs> other. Um, so my wife stayed on top of Lori and got Lori, who was very afraid of meeting us, got Lori to agree to meet us in a Starbucks parking lot because that was the only safe place that Lori felt like secure. So we go meet and she's like, you're not going to be able to help me. My parents left this problem to me. And the only reason I'm talking to you is because I've been living in the house since they died and I have not made any payments once I inherited it. And this house is going to foreclosure and I have nowhere else to go. I go, okay. So here I'll, I'll kind of go through some numbers with you real quick. So you understand this. There is your solution is in my story. Just FYI. Oh yeah. No, no, definitely go for it. You're like, I know how you operate. You're going to have some punchline that's going to solve the problem. Okay. So, um, <laughs> Lori has got this house and the ARV was um, $450,000, okay? She says, you can't help me because we owe um, $100,000 to the mortgage and we owe, um, I think the number at the time was about $300,000 to something called Access. Okay, Arizona healthcare, blah, 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 blah. Okay. This is a lien from her parents before they died. They were racking up medical bills, and the government has a program to help people pay for those medical bills. And the way it happened is that it that debt rolled over to Lori after her parents died. So now she's got this house with a three hundred thousand dollar lien and a four hundred thousand or a hundred thousand dollar lien. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. The number of the ARV was 400,000. I'm sorry. Oh, so yeah. So she got no equity. I mean, at 450, she has no equity because this is literally the worst house I've ever seen in my life. Still to this day, this house, black widows, her bed was, had human feces all over the bed. She had nine dead cats underneath a Mustang in the, in the garage. <laughs> Bro, I, the, I have pictures of this and I'll, I'll bring it up. I brought it up multiple times in sub two, like in our private Zooms and I'll break down the deal to people like in its intricacy. Mm -hmm. But here's one of the uh, many times I've used this strategy. So Access um, made it so she owed more money than the ARV was. And this house needed like a $100,000 renovation easy. So she's underwater like- Big time. Big time, right? Yeah. So this is why she didn't want to meet us. She was like, there's no reason I would meet you. There's no way you can help. And I'm like, how can you be so sure? This is the number she gave us. She said 27 other meetings is how I can be so sure, Pace. She was all rude about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, how can you be so sure? 27 other meetings, Pace. That's how I can be so sure. I was like, mm -hmm. damn. For a minute, I thought her name was Karen, but it is Lori. <laughs> okay, so here's what Plenty happens. Plenty of others have been through to try to solve this problem and couldn't. 27 other people, agents, wholesalers, everybody you can imagine tried to solve this problem, okay? Mm -hmm. 
So here's, ooh, that's great. Um, thank you, Ingrid. I'm going to send that message to um, Scott Horn, uh, an attorney I introduced to my students a couple of years ago. Scott Horn, lawyer in Texas, helped us clear judgment lien on the deal we are in the middle of. It was so cool. It was $140,000, and we split the difference with the seller once we told him we could clear it. Okay, so listen, because Ingrid already knows where I'm going with this. I believe she knows the story. So here's what happens. Thank you, Ingrid. I, I appreciate that. Oh, by the way, I have a lady that has been living in a property, Dylan, for 60 years. Do you know about this one? No, no. I, have a I bought a property um, just recently, like three months ago. And the seller is an older lady. She's like 80. And she says, do not disrupt the tenant. It's my daughter. Oh, okay. Yeah. This I, I saw. Right? Yeah, yeah. So she's like, do not disrupt the tenant. She's been living there 60 years. Anyway, mm -hmm. we closed escrow on the deal a couple months ago, cash. And now we're evicting that lady. So people are making comments about it in the side chat. So here we go. Let's go back into this. So on this deal, she's like mm -hmm. 27 other people have me met me. There's no way I, I go. I don't know, Lori. I'm pretty creative. I use the word creative so many times. And she's like, you're not this creative. So here's what I did. I said, Lori, I would like to buy your property for the $100,000 that you owe the bank. And I will then um, pay for you to um, move into, I'll pay you $5,000 plus moving expenses plus um, your first, last, and security deposit of the new place you're, you're moving into. I'll pay for all of that on top of your $100,000 in cash. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, but what about the $300,000 we owe access? And I go, let me worry about that. I'll worry mm -hmm. about that, okay? So here's what happens. We get it under contract. We get this big, fat, nice, juicy contract. Because contract first, figure it out later, obviously with transparency. Tell the lady, like, absolutely happy to do it, whatever. So here's what happens. I then go, I think it's spelled access. Let's see. I can't, now I can't remember. Yeah, it's access. So access is a government entity. Mm -hmm. We get it under contract. We open escrow. I go open it up at title company and the title company says, um, uh, let us know what happens with access. I go, great. No problem. I go to access for about, I think five days in a row. Nobody's in the office. Literally. You can't even knock. you knock on the door and nobody's there. Um, the lights are all on. It's a bunch of cubicles. It's a big freaking building. And oh, Nancy's got it. So A C C C H S. Sorry, and thank you, uh, Nancy. Nancy knows what's up. Thank you, Nancy. So here's what's what happens. On the fifth day, because I'm not a sissy, I'm going to continue to be persistent, consistent, and follow up. On the fifth day, I go to access, and I knock on the door, and I'm like, there's got to be somebody here. This is weird. Like, maybe they're all on vacation. And this random dude, this random dude pops up. It was like out of a horror movie. I looked down in the hallway, and all of a sudden, this guy turns around and and waves to me from like 80 feet down the way, and I'm pe peeking through the glass into the office. And he comes walking all the way over, and I realize he's the janitor. <laughs> I go, okay. So he comes over. We start talking. He's like, can I help you? And I go, dude, I've been trying to get a hold of somebody over here. Like nobody emails, calls, whatever. He's like, well, yeah, it's the government. Like, what do you expect? Mm -hmm. And I go, uh, ha, ha, whatever. And he, I go, dude, I just need help. Like I need to get in touch with somebody. He goes, who do you need to get in touch with? 
I said, I've got this lien. It's $300,000. I want to see if access will take a lower amount. And he goes, oh, that's my job. The janitor? Exactly. And I'm like, I'm so confused right now. And he's like, yeah, you know, we're short staffed, blah, 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 blah. I'll help you out. I go, okay, cool. So I get his email. I put him in touch with my title company. And we all group together. And he says, how much would you guys like to offer? And I was literally going to offer like 75 grand on a $300,000 deal. Mm -hmm. Okay. And my title girl, bless her heart. I stopped using her and her name's Amy. I stopped using her about three, four years ago. She's very smart and I appreciate her. She doesn't even ask me or no, I'm sorry. She asked me, what do you want to send? And I go 75,000. Mm -hmm. That's the offer. Let's make an offer to them. 75,000. And she sends an email without telling me. And she says $9,100. <laughs> Why? Why'd she change it? She just had a feeling. She had a gut feeling, dude. And so guess what? They accepted a $9,100 payment on a $300,000 lien. No way. Yes. Jesus. Crazy. Okay. <laughs> so when people are like, liens are, you can't get rid of liens. I'm like, dude, you just don't freaking know. So we end up we end up doing this. Uh, I paid access ninety one hundred. I paid off her mortgage. Now here is the problem. This goes to your answer. Mm -hmm. This is why it's important to generate leads, guys. Listen to me. When you guys think that you're going to go learn creative finance without generating leads, eh, no matter books, seminars, or anything are going to help you. You have to be doing what Dylan is doing, what Ingrid is doing, Brian Catalan are doing, all my people in the side chat, Carolina. You need to have leads in order for this stuff to make sense to you. It, it's like buying a basketball but not having a hoop. Well, Pace, I, I'm really good at throwing it. I, I'm, I'm imagining where the hoop is. I'm imagining where the hoop is, so I'm I'm pretty good shooter. Dude, you don't have a real hoop. You cannot be better unless you have the hoop. Just because you have the knowledge, the basketball, and it's tangible and it's real doesn't mean you know how to apply it until you actually have a problem. Those go hand in hand. So what Dylan's doing, generating leads, creating problems, asking questions, being part of a community is how you do anything. Okay. So and having more, having more leads alleviates a lot of pressure. I remember when I was first getting started and it took me so long to generate just a single lead. And then I was like, I have to make this opportunity work. This is the lead. Not yeah, this is one itis. We call it one itis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now I, I, I mean <laughs> this one lead, if it doesn't happen right now, I'm dead. I can't pay my bills, whatever. So here's what happens, Dylan. That janitor ended up being exactly who he said he was. He was the person that negotiated on access. And I was like, this is crazy. But you know what his stipulation was? What's the stipulation that? was it, we will negotiate down to this $9,100 if and only if Lori gets zero dollars in her pocket. Oh, okay. So now we come back full circle to your problem. I'm seeing where the, the connection's coming. Okay. So this is what I did. And bro, this is the worst house I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And so when I tell you what I'm, what I, how I structured this deal, you'll go, that's crazy. I want to make sure you understand this. 
I went to Lori. She's like, oh, I told you this deal's dead and blah, 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 blah. There's nothing we can do. And you guys are going to make a killing. And da, 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 da. And I was like, Lori, I don't have to give you cash out of the real estate transaction. Let's work out a deal for inventory or something at the property that I can purchase from you. And so I wrote up a bill of sale. So purchase and sale agreement for the house, bill of sale for the things inside the house, tile, countertops, whatever. And I called that inventory, okay? And I gave Lori Chase a chunk of money plus her first security. I gave her more than five grand because I made a lot of money. This was, a, at the time, it was the biggest deal I'd ever done. Now I'm doing multifamily deals. I got some big deals that we're doing, but this was the biggest deal I'd ever done. My assignment fee on this deal was like $140,000 or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I did. Here's what I did. I made the title lady. I made the title lady issue the check and then cancel the check and wire the money to me so I could have the physical copy of the check and I framed it. It's in my office upstairs. Oh, really? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, I was like, this was my first six figure wholesale fee. Yeah. And I was able to accomplish it. Now, here's what happened. Access came and audited the transaction 30 days later. Mm -hmm. And they asked, did she receive any money? Title said, no, she did not. They went and audited her bank account and they found out that she received money from me. So they I can, get... They can pull oh, yeah. her... Oh, right, yeah. They, she that. signed off an agreement saying she wasn't going to receive this stuff and that she, you know, she's okay with them checking and double checking and blah, 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 blah. So they check. They find out I gave her money. Mm -hmm. Okay. I didn't try and hide it because I talked to my attorney. My attorney's like, yeah, if you have a bill of sale over here and you have a purchase and sell agreement and they're not purchasing the same thing, there's no reason. So I bought like dead cats, her broken down Mustang, her this, literally all of that stuff. And I, I worked out a bill of sale that was completely separate. So you can work out the same situation with this seller where you have a bill of sale outside of the deal. Now, Dylan, you know how I bought my house, right? Step two. Well, no, yours was a hybrid. I bought a, a triple hybrid, right? So I have three different notes on my property. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you pull up my house on Zillow, which I don't want to give out my address to a bunch of knuckleheads on the open internet with 700 people watching, but... I've seen it. You've done it in sub two. In, in I've, yeah, I've done it in sub two. Yeah. My third uh, my third lien, so I've got a, a sub two mortgage. I've got a seller finance more, uh, note with Jerry. And then I have a million dollar consulting agreement for mm -hmm. the other part. So our the property recorded for $2 million, but the transaction was $3 million. It's just that a million of it was kept as a separate agreement. Mm -hmm. And it and wasn't that, tied to the real estate. Could you have done that directly with Jerry if he didn't have an entity? Because I asked her, I asked the seller. If of she course, had I did the same thing with Laura. She didn't have an entity. I just did a bill of sale directly with her. Okay. And then um, would I be would I have any issue doing that since she doesn't have any personal property in the home other than what's affixed to the home? I work guess out a can... work out a consulting agreement with her. Okay. Okay. What, so yeah. What value can she bring to you? Can she bring you mental insight on you know being older and how to avoid divorce and she's your mental coach or something along those lines and you can create a bill of sale. Okay. And from my side, so can my company issue that in conjunct you know how does that work as far work as like, that out with it? yourself personally and okay. have your have your company purchase the house and then have you do a consulting agreement with this lady long term 
that's like, hey, we developed a relationship. I wanted to keep in touch with her and I wanted to pay her a consulting fee to work with me on how to avoid avoid divorce and be a, some sort of a life coach. Would you recommend to do that that the the bill of sale through my company or through another? No, avenue? do the bill of sale personally from you to her. Okay. Yeah, just from my person. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That is really interesting. Okay, man. Well, that's I knew it, it needed, you know, if there was a solution, it would have to be like a creative solution like that. Yeah, there you go. There, There's your creative sol solution. Okay. And if she's not, for whatever reason, in favor of that, then a contract for deed is a way that. Well, no, you to need to do a contract for deed regardless. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, even even going that route, still do the contract for deed. Well, here's the here's the challenge I, I, I would look at is the contract for deed. Is she trying to. If she sells a property, okay, you might have to ask an attorney, okay? And the reason being why is because there is a possibility that she could go through the divorce. And what ends up happening is she has to claw back and pay gains that she made because maybe that property is community property. Right. I, depending on the state laws, I don't know the state laws of Florida in that situation. So you got to figure that out. Mm -hmm. If she has the legal right to sell it to you right now, then why, then none of this needs to happen. Right. Like if it's her property and it's not going to be named in the divorce decree, what I would do is I'd spend 250 bucks and talk to a divorce attorney and say, what do you think is the situation here? And the attorney's going to okay. go, oh, no, she, they can't do this, this, and this because Florida lost its states, blah, 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 blah. I don't know the answer to that. Right. That's something yeah. you're going to have to go figure out with her. Okay. Um, Which I can do. I, I know a real estate attorney, but I can, you know, track down. A, I would a get a divorce attorney. attorney, somebody that has gone through stuff like this and talk and ask them about community property. If it's not community property, then she doesn't need his permission to do anything. And you can just buy it sub two and give her 5,000 bucks. Or you could do a hybrid where you give her, you take over the house sub two and then create a seller finance note for whatever amount of equity that she has in the deal. Mm -hmm. And you could and turn and was... sell that under wrap if you wanted to. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. If I could get in, if she could sell it, you know, take it over sub two and then create, you know, some type of uh, like a seller finance note, but uh, she would want it to be outside separate from fine. that transaction. So she's not showing, she obviously just doesn't same want to thing. give any of them. Yeah, same thing. Okay. Okay, really cool. Well, man, that is uh, really, really helpful. Uh, first thing tomorrow morning, I'm going to find uh start finding for a divorce attorney and uh, consult with them. But that could be a, a really viable way to, to pursue it. I love it. Um, Darren Green, here's a great question. So Darren Green says, can you still take it tax advantage of depreciation on a contract for deed? Here's what's great, everybody. Everybody in sub two, my personal CPA, please pay attention, okay? My personal CPA is coming into sub two in about 30 days, and we're going to show you guys how we figured out how to take depreciation on a contract for deed, whereas you normally could not have up until now. And um, everybody inside of sub two, the answer will be yes. We've figured it out, and we're currently doing it right now to test it out on a property, and we're like 100% sure it's going to work out. No, uh, Chris Contreras says, John St. Clair. No, Sean St. Clair is my real estate attorney. 
PCS, somebody inside of PCS does my taxes. So I will be bringing that CPA into sub two to educate you guys how I figured that out. I'm the first person on the planet that's figured it out. Boom. Very cool. Is there any downside to a contract for deed where your name is not on the title as opposed to a traditional? Yes, there's a a handful of downsides. Okay. Uh, Number one downside is that up until recently, for the last hundred years, the contract for de- contracts for, de- for deeds have been around for a thousand years. Okay. This is how mm-hmm. people normally did transactions. Um, up until now, you weren't able to get the tax benefits because you didn't have what's called fee title. Fee title means that you have the deed in your name and you can go to the IRS and say, I own this property. Here's proof that I own the property on the deed. I get the tax benefits. Okay. So up mm-hmm. until now, that was the number one downfall to a contract for deed. The second downfall to a contract for deed is let's say that this lady dies and she's holding the deed and you can't get your physical hands on it because she put it in a safety deposit box or she burned it or something else. There are challenges with that. Okay. Now you can have safety measures in in place that I don't need to, we don't need to talk about tonight because I'm already four minutes later than I normally go. Um, uh, Ingrid says, the fact that you guys are talking about this tonight is the universe showing me the way. I love this so much. Bada, bada bing, bada boom. So um, that's the biggest thing is the physical nature of a contract for deed is that when you pay off the property, your seller has to pay, send the deed to you or refinance it or sell it or whatever. You have to physically do something. Whereas in the seller finance, sub two, Lease op, uh, sub two and seller finance. I don't have to do anything. I don't even have to contact the seller ever again to pay off their note or any of that kind of stuff. The title company will go, Hey, what's your payoff amount? But I don't ever have to talk to them. I have to do anything. And so there's empowerment and um, a lot less physical work to do in the future. Yeah. And I can create just a separate note, a seller finance note to her outside. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I can create a, a note to you right now, right? To pay. I can, you and I could do a note right now on a sticky note and say, This is my note. Yeah, I can pay you a hundred grand over, you know, thirty years and over something that's not connected to a piece of property. Correct. Okay. Well, Pace, thank you so much. I really uh, appreciate the time. Appreciate the information, and more than anything else, I appreciate the community. So it's the phenomenal. Best. The freaking best, best. and best I appreciate is, you man. pouring into it. it. The the thing is, the people that get the most out of the community are the people that pour into it and go like going to dinner with each other and becoming friends with each other and doing meetups with each other and all those kind of things and realizing that this is not a mentorship, right? It is. It's definitely not my mentorship. It's our mentorship is number one, and then number two, it is a community of people that are, I'm going to be hanging out with you guys and doing deals with you guys in 10, 15, 20 years from now. Man, I never right. wanted to look at this as a mentorship of just like, go watch my videos, you know, type of thing. So mm-hmm. um, Dor- Dorothy says, Pace does this process so organically, like he's just breathing and exhaling naturally. That's true. Um, yeah. And these are high level strategies. These are not these are not things that most people <laughs> are going to know. Even most real estate investors, like this is high oh, level no. stuff. So it's it's very helpful. Yaya.us. Pace, how can we split the depreciation between two investors? That's very simple. Two investors own the property simultaneously. You get what's called a K1 at the end of the year, which is your tax return for that entity. I could talk about that in a PCS Zoom in the future. We could go into depth on that. Um, What I plan on doing for sub two students, by the way, um, is I'm going... uh, Dylan, good to see you, brother. Thank you. Hey, great to see you. You Take care, okay? Thank you, homie. So what I plan on doing, oh my gosh, you guys want you guys want to do something really cool. I have 
Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday. If you guys are in Arizona, we are having Elena Cardone come over to our offices to meet and greet you guys. So Tuesday, if you guys are in Arizona, Elena Cardone coming in 6 p.m. Arizona time. Please come hang out. We'd love to introduce you guys to Elena Cardone. That's going to be dope. Um, I'm also, let's see, what, what's going on this week? I got a lot of speaking engagements this week. Uh, no, I'm sorry, the next couple of weeks. See, here we go. Curtis Johnson says, I need a sub two student to help me with my deal. Perfect. Don't have me help you with your deal. I have trained killers. And if you guys are a sub two student, how dare you not help Curtis Johnson? Please freaking jump on that. Okay. I know Myron and, and uh, his beautiful wife, Carolyn, will help you guys out as well. Christian Hernandez, he's a killer. See you in San Diego, bro. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm going to be in San Diego for a week. I'm going to speak at traffic and conversions and then also BPCon. In the middle of that, I have to fly to Dallas to speak at Brad Sumrock's event. So um, that's going to be a crazy week. I will see you multiple times, Christian. And anyway, I hope... Did everybody get some value tonight? Did everybody learn a thing or two tonight? This is a this is a uh, pace. Are you still coming to Washington? Yes, I am. I'm just waiting for the TV show to stop messing with my life. Um, so hopefully you guys learned a couple of things. We answered the questions. We gave you guys some tactical advice. You saw Dylan um, answer this question for you. It was like, how do I start? Well, freaking generate leads. Go work with students. Go work with people in the free Facebook group. That's how you get started. So if you are DMing me on Instagram saying, Pace, how do I get started? Hopefully this answered that for you guys, okay? If you don't have an LLC, you don't have a business. If you don't have leads, you definitely don't have a business, okay? The two things that create a business are having an LLC and having um, leads coming through that business. You need both of those things, okay? Tor uh, Tori says, Pace, are you still coming to Texas? I just was in Texas for like a month. Uh, we've been all over Texas. I was just in Dallas a month, uh, two months ago. Um, but I will be, I, we go to, we go to Texas so much guys, like so stinking much. Um, let me see my, you guys want to see my speaking engagements real quick. I'll show them to you guys and you guys can take a look. Um, they, it changes sometimes. Okay. Um, let's see here. Scale and Escape, that's my next one, September 9th and 11th. That's coming up. And then I'll be in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. We definitely will be doing a meetup in Atlanta, Georgia at that time. That'll be great. Um, sorry, this is as big as I can make it, guys. I apologize. Yeah, it's about as big as I can make it. And then Traffic and Conversions, I'll be there in uh, San Diego. Then... I will be at Brad Sumrock's event in Dallas, September 30th through the October 3rd. Then I'll be at BPCon. I'm speaking twice there. That'll be fun. Funnel Hacking Live for Bill, Bill Allen in Orlando, October 13th. And then um, Orlando. Okay, Orlando for Multifamily Mastery 5 with Jake and Gino's event. And then my sub two mastermind in Phoenix. So those are the... I think I'm going to stop speaking the rest of the year after that. I'll be, I'll put everything on pause right after November and I won't speak again until probably January. So, um, hopefully you guys can get out, see me and Jamil. Um, we usually speak together, not always, but we usually do. Um, 
You know, Terry Free, we should go to freaking Maryland. I love Maryland. I love the people in Maryland. So anyway, uh, appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. And this was another episode of Sunday Service. Oh.